Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Whether you're building a creative career or you just need to approach career in a creative way, we are here to help you chart your own path. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. So we got our first factor meals and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef crafted dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low calorie Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. So a lot of people feel like this show is about finding motivation and, uh, it, you know, creative pep talk. It's probably my fault for naming it creative pep talk, but that was just a catchier title than what was maybe more accurate, which I'll get to in a second. But, uh, yeah, I, people, I think, think this show is a motivational show, but I actually think that that is not true. I don't think most people's problem is that they don't have motivation. If you find yourself in a place where you you just can't take a step forward because every step you take just feels more painful than the last, you don't need more motivation. You need to listen to that pain. You need to stop what you're doing and, and solve the real problem, which is what we're going to talk about today. Now, there's a bunch of times on this show that I have talked to you about the, the time when I was living in England and I impulsively decided to run to a tower that was 11 miles away, but I didn't know how far it was away. Uh, and I got super, super lost. I got lost for like six to eight hours and and my, my parents were freaking out. They called the police. Nobody knew where I was. I'm not going to tell all the details of that story. I've told it a billion times, but I want to just stop and say, I think I know why that story is one that I tell over and over on this show, because I think it gets to the heart of what the real problem is when you can't seem to be motivated to take any steps forward because motivation is not a problem. It's a symptom of a deeper problem. Now, think back to a time when you were lost, not like lost, 
you know, in terms of your creative career path, but actually lost. Maybe you're not like me because I get lost every once in a while. Like once a year or so, I go out and I didn't charge my phone and you know, I get really lost. Um, and it's a terrible, humiliating feeling. And maybe you haven't gotten lost in a long time. Maybe you have to think back when you were a kid at the drugstore and you got separated from your mom and you, you know, for a second, you're like, oh, okay, wait, she was just here. I Hold on. I'm not lost. I just got to go to the next aisle. She's probably in the next aisle. And you go to the next aisle and you get a little bit more freaked out. And you're like, okay, she's not in the next aisle. All right, I'll go this way. I'll, I'll, nope, she's not that way. And you start stepping the other way. And you start every single step you take is more painful than the last. Not because you're not motivated. You want to be found. It's not a problem of motivation. The problem is... And the reason why you want to give up is because you don't know if every step you're taking is getting closer to where you want to be or further away. You don't know if every step that you take is another step to being found or is it another step towards being lost forever beyond return. And I think that what happens in creative paths is that the reason we lose motivation isn't a motivation problem. It's a clarity problem. We don't know where we're trying to go and we don't know where we are in relationship to where we're trying to go. And so when we get up and we make that thing, there's a voice in the back of our head that's saying, you don't know if this is getting you closer to where you want to be or if it's wasting your time. And if, you, if you're spending too many days wasting your time, whether at some point you are going to be so lost that it's going to be too late to recover and you're never going to get where you want to go. And so motivation isn't the problem. It's the symptom of a deeper problem. And the deeper problem is a lack of clarity of what am I trying to find? Where am I on the journey? And what do I need to be doing to actually get closer to finding it? Now, not so long ago, I got lost again. Um, <laughs> I went on a jog in my parents' new neighborhood that I'd never been to. And it's this huge, giant community with thousands of houses, I think. I, I'm bad with numbers, but I'm pretty sure that they said there's like oh, thousands of houses in this community. And I go out. I just got my Apple Watch. I think I'll be fine. Um, but I don't realize how fast it drains when I'm using it for music. And so I don't have any devices. Uh, I, I get into that. I'm just like the kid in the drugstore where I'm like, oh, I, I think I'm starting to get lost. I just need to retrace my step one road back. And then you get to that road and you're like, wait, I can't remember if I went that way or this way. And you just get overwhelmed, not just by the feeling of I don't know what to do next, but the humiliation of how did I get here? Why was I so dumb to even think that I could do this in the first place. And it's a shameful experience every time that I get lost. I just feel so stupid, which adds to the insult. It adds to the fact that I won't do what everybody knows you need to do when you're lost. You have to stop what you're doing. The first thing you've got to do when you're lost 
is to stop and admit that you're lost. But the fact of the matter is, I've been lost so many times that I know I've learned this lesson. I didn't repeat the mistakes of when I was in college and got lost for eight hours and and couldn't find the humility to knock on somebody's door and, and tell them, hey, can you help me? I just instantly thought, you know what? I'm genuinely lost. I'm going to start stopping people, asking for uh, you know, telling them where this address is, getting them to put it in their phone and just get a general idea where I am in relationship to where I want to go. And if you're feeling unmotivated, if every step feels more painful than the last because you don't know whether you're getting closer or further away, don't look for motiv- motivation. Don't look for more. Uh, don't, don't, don't try to grit your teeth and bear it. Listen to that pain. Find the humility to stop and say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. And do the hard work of finding clarity because it will change everything about your motivation. It will make you feel not disintegrated where you have all these random pieces firing in all these different directions, but you will be able to, when you stop and find where you are in relationship to where you want to be and all the steps in between, you will find a clarity. And, and, and I feel like there's a voice that says clarity is an illusion. I thought I had clarity once. Yeah, you did think you had clarity once. It's true. You can't look out over the next 50 years and know exactly where you want to be. So, you know, sometimes the thing that you're on this planet to be creating is in a medium that hasn't even been invented yet. Yes, that's true. So you can't have perfect clarity. You are limited by the vantage point you have right now, but you can stop what you're doing. You can say, I think, just like I did in my parents' community, I could stop and say, here's where I am. I know that their address is in that general direction. And as I start heading that way, once I start feeling a lack of clarity again, I can stop and ask for directions again. And if I need to pivot and and just kind of recalibrate, I can do that. But it doesn't mean that you don't stop and find clarity now. Because clarity does exist. You know it exists. You've had it before. But you might be in a time where it's time to recalibrate. And that's what this episode is all about. So I'm announcing that we're changing the name of the show. It's now called, it's not Creative Pep Talk anymore. It's going to be called Creative Clarity Talk. That sounds good. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We're not changing the name of the show. I like the name. But, you know, if you're in a place where you don't have motivation, you're unmotivated, listen to that. There's a reason for that. Don't just try to find more motivation. Stop and admit, I don't have clarity. Something went wrong. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I've been. And every single piece of work that I'm making just feels excruciating because I don't know if it's getting me closer or further away from to to where I want to go because I don't know where I want to go. And so the first thing you got to do is stop what you're doing. We're going to go through four things to do when you're feeling unmotivated to find that clarity again to help you get that tank full. 
Can you smell it? It's a huge vat of bubbling motivation at the end of this uh, exercise. So the first thing you're going to do, stop, admit it. Sometimes you got to stop and admit, hey, I took a turn. I, I took a wrong turn somewhere. If you're a leader, that means that you led some uh, people the wrong way and you got to own it. Sometimes you got to make things right. You know, sometimes you got to uh, actually uh, spend some money to fix the problem. There are times and places where you got to stop what you're doing and say, look, I am, am no psychic. I couldn't predict the future. Nobody could see what was on the horizon over the past couple years. And so if you're lost, welcome to the club. We're all lost right now. Okay. We all have to recalibrate and get our bearings again and, and chart our courses afresh to find motivation. And so there's no shame. There's no humiliation. None of us are psychics. We need to stop and recalibrate. So stop. Admit that you're lost. The second thing that you need to do is you need to ask yourself, where am I? If you have a map and you know the destination, you can clearly see it, it will do you no good if you don't know where you are in relationship to that. doesn't matter if you can see it on the map. You got to know where you are and where you're going. And I think we skip this part. We get really into goals. We get really into where we want to be and completely ignore where we are right now to our own detriment. And in fact, I want to even change that question a little bit. I don't want you to ask, where am I? I want you to ask, where are we? You know, it's so easy on this creative path when you're charting your own territory and you're lost. It's so easy to go inward, to get isolated, to get self-absorbed. But I really think that the most interesting, powerful things get unlocked. Unbelievable things get unlocked when we sync up with others. Now, recently, I wasn't on, you know, the weird web. I was on National Geographic and I ran into this article uh, about a study from Princeton. Okay. These are legit peer-reviewed things. They're not some random offshoot of the internet. And I ran into this article that had the most mind-blowing topic. And I think it really illustrates what happens what the, the, what what's possible when it's not just you know uh, me but it's we i've heard this a few times my friend uh Kyle Sheely he's seeing this in his work i have a friend Jason Sturgill he talks a lot about me versus we i heard tim ferris say that you know when he what he admires about the japanese is they're a we culture not a me culture there's something in the water man i i'm i'm feeling this and especially as creatives we're so prone to be uh you know self-absorbed and disconnected and outsider and yet I think if we will see that, you know, we didn't get here, where we are now isn't just a product of our life. It's all of the giants that we're standing on from the past. And if we get that context, interesting things will happen. Back to this National Geographic article. So uh, I don't know how it works. By the way, the people at Princeton don't know how it works. So don't ask me that. But uh, they, they did this study. 
And it's a study of human consciousness and, and, and ultimately the interconnectivity, the field of consciousness between me and you and everybody else on the planet. And so what they did, they put these random number generators, computers, I guess, uh, in all these major cities all over the world. And what they found, you know, these computers generate these random numbers. And, uh, and, and they're like to the trillionth degree random. And what they found was that when a global event occurred, usually a tragedy, and all the people in the globe were kind of thinking about and conscious of the same thing, that we were in sync with each other, that these random number generators would be affected just by what we're thinking, that those random number generators would start to become more predictable, that when our brains are in sync, chaos turns into some kind of order. And you're asking me, how, Andy? I don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. But what we do know is that when we are in sync, unimaginable, unexplainable things happen, and that's not even the kicker. So when things like 9-11 happens and everybody on the globe is focused on the same thing, not only does it affect those random number generators, not only is there some kind of interconnectivity that we can't quite explain, but those random number generators actually get affected hours in advance to a event like that. That <laughs> when we get in sync, there's some kind of cosmic-y, mystic precognition that happens. Like we somehow can see it coming between us, not individually, but globally. And I believe that if you will get in sync with the story of humanity, you won't just, you know, figure out where you are. You might even tap into some precognition into where you're going next. It's just like the kid with the dot to dot page. If you, if you just get your nose focused on the next dot, the dot where you are, you're going to miss the bigger picture. But if you will look back and see it, all the dots that have already been connected, you might even see exactly where we're going next. And so, what I want to encourage you to do is look for the torchbearers of the past. Who are the people that were doing your work before you got here? Who were the people carrying that torch before you got here? For me, it's probably Jim Henson. Okay, I have a lot of heroes. Hayao Miyazaki, uh, Tova Jansen, Jim Carrey, Jack Black, all these people. They're huge fans of them. You know, they all matter to me. But I think Jim Henson more than any. You know, this balance of performer and concept artist, this person who really embodied stories that said different is not a bug, but a feature. You know, the Muppets and the Fraggles, I feel like so much about it is just the celebration of our different personalities and our different neurochemistry and just how, how we're different. And, it's, and, and why that's so essential, you know, it, 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 just think about it in terms of evolution. I get sidetracked, I get excited about when we start talking about different is a feature because, um, I, you know, the reason we have evolved to what we are is the mutation. That thing that is weird about you, that's what pushes us forward. That's what makes it 
us capable of accomplishing so much is that we're not all equipped in the same way. So, uh, you know, as someone with ADHD, I'm very passionate about that. And so when I start not just thinking about where I am, but where are we? Where have we been? What, where did that torch get left off? I get really excited and I get inspired and I get some insight of where we might be going next. You know, I have a buddy, uh, Brad Montague, creator of uh, Kid President. And I really think of this guy as like the modern day Mr. Rogers. Like I think he, the, the work he wants to do with kids and, and, and how, how clear his vision is for how important children are. And, and his spirit is just so <laughs> gentle and sweet and funny. Uh, it, it just reminds me of Mr. Rogers. I think about uh, the. I recently watched Richard Pryor's special on Netflix, and I was just really, uh, you know, uh, I was just taken aback by the similarities between him and Dave Chappelle. You know. Richard Pryor has this white guy voice that I feel like Chappelle kind of picked up that torch and put it forward. And I think about how uh, both of those people in culture really were like uh, this bridge between black culture and white people. I feel like, uh, you know, I can't speak from experience, but it seems to me that that Richard Pryor was able to articulate the black experience in such a way that a bunch of white people were listening to it. You know, he had a very uh, diverse audience and the same goes for Chappelle. And I just think that there's this amazing thing that happens when you pick up the torch, when you figure out not just where you are, but where you are in relationship to where we are. And some mystical, magical, crazy things can happen. Number one, stop what you're doing. Admit that you're lost. Take a minute. Quit just making, making, making. If those pieces are excruciating, stop making them and don't look for fabricated positivity and motivation. Look for clarity. The second thing you want to do is figure out where are you by connecting to where are we. The third thing that you need to do is say, where are we going? Where do I want, where am I trying to head next? What is that domino? From my vantage point right now, you're not going to be able to see the last domino of that you're trying to knock over in your life, but you'll be able to see, uh, you know, 25 dominoes down the line. It might be a little bit fuzzy, but you can get a vague sense of where you are in relationship to where you want to go. And that kind of clarity will unlock motivation because it will show you what you need to be doing right now. And we're going to get to that in number four. But number three is where are we going? Uh, and, and, you know, just real quick, that the reason I wanted to bring up the whole Jim Henson thing and, and talk about picking up the torch, something about like seeing, really tapping into uh, what kind of work were they doing on a regular basis? Like what were they spending their time with? What did they care about? You know, one of the things I really relate to with Jim Henson is he was a visual artist, but it wasn't just, it was, it was more about the concept. It was more about showing people what was in his head than it was like drawing per se. And I just so related to that. And I related to the fact that somebody came before me that felt torn between 
visual art and, and, and that kind of expression and performance. It's a, it, it just gives me comfort and it gives me clarity to see how people have done that in the past and how they spent their time. And so when we talk about how where we're going, I want us to think about first, not job title. Job title is so uh, – it can really throw you off your – path. Job title, you know, being a stand-up comedian or being an actor or being a director, all those words, I feel like they're so tied up. Those labels are tied up with this egoic identity of who we want to be in the world and how we want to be seen. And I feel like if you lead with title, you're leading with ego. But if you lead with job description, you're leading with meaning and joy and how you actually want to spend your life. And that really, really matters. And so the shortcut into figuring out where you want to go, I think, is not by thinking some hypothetical future where what kind of title do I want to have, but how you want to spend your week in five years, what kind of stuff you want to be doing Monday to Friday, it's probably going to be pretty similar to what you wish your week was this week. And so the shortcut I want to take is what would a perfect Monday to Friday look like for you? How would you be spending it? How many hours are you working? What kind of hours are you uh, putting in? Are you, are, is, your half, is half of your day writing and the other half is performing? Is, you know, what, how does that break down? Then we'll link that to a job title. A few things you can think about here. For me, the perfect week would be the, the balance of doing stuff that feels meaningful and being in the flow state, like having the joy and the fun of really just enjoying the state of flow. For meaning, for me, it's like it's kind of the balance of, uh, you know, this is un- – I'm uniquely qualified to serve in this way. When I get an illustration job and I can think of 50 other people that should have got that job above me, it totally takes the meaning out of it. But when somebody comes to me for the kind of thing that I feel like only I can do, that really feels meaningful. That's how I like to spend my time. So figuring out what, how am I uniquely equipped to serve – because it's not just about, oh, this is, I'm special. I get to be uh, the talented person. I'm the only one in the world that can do this. Yeah, but if you're the only one, I'm, maybe I'm the only one that, in the world that can bend my arm backwards really, really far. But that's not meaningful. And if you ever see me, I'll show you that trick. It's disgusting. Okay, it's super unique. I haven't seen a lot of people that, can, that are double-jointed to that extreme. But it doesn't help anybody. So, so it's not meaningful. You got to get that unique service mixed with fun, joy. Mihai Chick sent me high the the uh, research who researcher who made the book Flow talks about flow state is that balance of challenge and mastery. You don't want to be so good at it 
that you just crush it. You know, I love uh, what Neil Gaiman says about writing books. He says, you never learn how to write books. You only learn how to write the book that you're writing. That's what's so inspiring about story to me is that it's just like working with people. You never figure out people. Every single story is a unique challenge. And yeah, you got to have all the skills. You got to have the utility belt, all of your story chops to come at it. But every single one is fresh and new. And that mastery and challenge mix really makes it an enjoyable practice. So the first thing you got to do when you talk about where are we wanting to go is start with the job description, not the job title. Now, once you have an idea of like, I'd like to spend half of my day doing this or a third of my week doing this and third of my week doing that, third of this, I think three thirds is kind of a whole. Um, once you have some idea of that, then you can go look to, let's look at the present day pioneers. Because if you're talking about where you want to go, that's maybe two, three, five years out in the future. It's going to be building on people that are pioneering things in that space with that job description right now. Who's spending time like that? For me, it's kind of a, it's kind of, there's kind of a, I kind of think of it like a mashup. Like I feel like I'm a, I'm not a, a replica of any of these things. I'm a link in the chain between two groups of people that are doing work. And hopefully in three to five years, you can look back at this and be like, he knew it. He had, he had tapped into the precognition of we, not me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but let's see. Okay. Uh, one side of it is like the, 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 the one person show that's like humorous storytelling. People like You've heard me talk about him, Mike Birbiglia, James A. Caster, Derek Delgadio. I just watched Derek, Derek Delgadio's show in and of itself on Hulu, directed by Frank Oz and, and produced by Stephen Colbert. That thing, I wept. I freaking wept. And I can't tell you anything else about it, but go watch it. It is incredible. And, I, you know, part of that is part of this, you know, one person show thing that I relate to so much is I heard Nikki Glazer on Mike Birbiglia's podcast talking about how she develops material. And, and I was listening to it and I was thinking, oh, man, that's how I do material. I don't just sit in a dark room for weeks and weeks and weeks and just writing and crafting and making it perfect. I have to write on stage. I have to put it in practice. It's part of my motivation. It's part of me keeping going. Like, I have to make a little piece, put it out, make a little piece, put it out, make a little piece, put it out, and then edit it down to the best stuff. And she was talking about that's how she develops her material, that she's a stand-up comic and she doesn't do a lot of like writing. She doesn't even do a lot of like post-editing. She just kind of builds it over time and it snowballs into a special. And then funny enough, you know, I'm listening to her describe her process and I'm thinking, that is my process. That's how I want to spend my time. And then she talks about how she just got diagnosed with ADHD. So I'm like, okay, that is a breadcrumb. That is, there's something about the way that you spend your time. That's how I want to spend my time. And then the other side of the link of that chain is people like Oliver Jeffers and Mo Willems. Both have a very different sensibility. Neither of them are doing really what I want to do in the world. But they do a lot of like, you know, TED Talks and, and, and specials and all that. But they also make kids books. And it all comes from that point of view. And I feel like in between there, picking up that, Jim Henson torch and trying to find that space between a one person show uh, and, and, and kids 
media creators. There's something in that zone that's where I want to go. And it starts informing every decision that I'm making. And it tells me, what do I need to do next? So that I know when I take that next step, I know that it's at least in the general direction of where I'm trying to go. And that's what we're going to talk about in step four. Okay, number four is what is standing in my way? When you have figured out, when you've stopped and you figured out you're lost, you found where you are and you found where you want to go, now you can see all of the things, all the obstacles, all the dominoes in between where you are now and where you want to go next. Those dominoes are the things that you need to create. They're the things that you need to make to get through the obstacles that, that are keeping you where you are and not where you want to be. Uh, you know, this idea of the one thing, there's something about that book – Gary Keller, Jay Papasan, the idea is uh, what's the next one thing you need to do? What's the domino that you need to knock over next that by doing it, everything you want to accomplish will be finished or be easier to accomplish? This has been so essential to my life because what it does, when I'm feeling unmotivated, usually it's because, I, yes, I lack clarity. Part of that clarity is this disintegrated feeling where all of the pieces of my journey just feel like random floating things. It's like 18 dominoes all in different spaces, none of them connected, none of them working together, when in fact, even all the different disparate parts I'm doing, they always can work together to a whole. You know, I talked about on a recent episode how I wanted to get into kids' books, but my podcast was taking off. So I went with my podcast begrudgingly, feeling like, man, I'm, I'm going to miss out on kids' books, only to find out that my podcast audience was essential to getting my first uh, bigger podcast or bigger kids' book deals. And so those dominoes seemed like disparate. They seemed disintegrated. But actually, if I had had the perspective of – Every single piece fits together and the next piece I need to do, uh, can I, if I focus on the one that can accomplish a few different goals, then I'm in a really good place. And recently I've been doing that and it's been unlocking so much motivation because I've realized now that I'm uh, about to promote some picture books that I'm super pumped about, it's easy to be like, well, what about the podcast? What about public speaking? What about this? But I can see if I knock over this domino, if I really focus on making the best effort in the thing that's happening right now, that it actually has a domino effect of everything I, I want to do. If I get really uh, established in the picture book world, it will open up speaking gigs that I could never get. I can see that with people like Mo Willems and, and people like Oliver Jeffers, right? So that, that feeling of integration with all of the little things, Every creative I know has so many moving parts. They have so many desires. They have so much ability. You know, their voice can be manifest in a, a diverse range of outputs. It's medium agnostic. Most of the time, when you get into that essence of what you really want to be and talk about and exist on in this planet, it rarely just falls in this neat, tiny, little, compact uh, compartment. 
right? And so if you feel like disintegrated, this is what you need to do. You need to ask yourself not what's the one thing that I'm going to do forever and screw everything else. We all know that's not right. But instead, what's the one thing I'm going to do next that everything else I want to do will be easier to accomplish if I focus my energy here. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go through, here's some ideas of some things that might be stopping you but uh, from accomplishing, from getting to where you want to go to be spending the weeks as you want to be spending them. The first one is credentials. So you might, maybe you just don't have the credentials. You don't have the authority. You don't have any, uh, you don't have any, body existing that says, hey, this person knows what they're doing. I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast, but, you know, I went to college in England. I was there for five years. The, the, the catalyst that brought us home was this overwhelming feeling that I got, that I, I was starting my illustration career and I'd had a few good projects. I'd worked with companies like Sony uh, and I'd had, um, you know, uh, Beck's beer and a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of other pieces. And I was making more and more money. And I just, I had this deep compassion for my creative friends at home. And I wanted to share all the things I'd learned about breaking into illustration and, and breaking into the creative career that I, that I wanted. And I had this overwhelming feeling to move home and start some kind of entity that would help others build creative careers. Okay. And, and then when I, that was the reason we moved back to America. That was, I mean, there was a bunch of reasons, but that was the catalyst. And we moved back home and the recession hit. And, uh, you know, a lot of the hype around the book that I had published had diminished and all of my jobs dried up and I didn't have any credentials. I didn't have any right to be telling anybody else how to build a thriving creative practice because I hadn't. And I, I spent, you know, I couldn't help anybody get their crap together. I had to get my crap together. And I spent a good, I don't, you know, four to six years focused on building my own thriving practice, not by chance, not by accident, not by luck, but through strategy and practice. And I built up that portfolio and I built up my salary and I built up my practice. And by the time I launched this podcast in 2014, by the time I had gotten to this place where I wanted to tell people how I had built my practice and the things that I was learning alongside other people in their journey, by the time I'd done that, I had more or less forgotten that we had moved to America to start something like this podcast. That's how much of a distant memory it was. And that's what it's like sometimes. Sometimes we have this vision or this dream and it propels us forward. And, and actually, uh, we might forget along the way why we're even going through the practice, right? There's other reasons for building a thriving creative practice for myself, but, but uh, that was true. Sometimes you got to get the credentials. Sometimes you got to get the skills. I've told on this show before, I had... Uh, an opportunity to get my illustrations animated on Nickelodeon. And the first opportunity I had with that right out of college, I massively failed. I sent them over all my final stuff and they said, rough drafts look okay. Looking to see how they, <laughs> they shape up in the finals. And these were my finals, right? 
And the problem was between where I wanted to be and where I was was I just didn't have the skills. You know, I, I just didn't have the chops. And I spent several years learning to draw digitally and learning to uh, develop my style and, and learning to uh, – hit home on a brief and, and solve a problem. Like I spent several years and then luck would have it that I got another opportunity to make illustration to be animated on Nickelodeon. But this time I had the skills. So it might be credentials. It might be skills. It might be social proof. Maybe you've got all the goods, but you just need something that says that you've got the goods. You know, when I wanted to get into kids' books, maybe some of my ideas were good, some of them were bad, but ultimately I was untested and there was just no, there was no metric to say we should risk it on this person. And so building up my Instagram, building up my podcast was helpful for social proof of there's something to this work. So maybe it's social proof, maybe it's accessibility. You know, I worked with an animator a few years back that, uh, he was making these gorgeous animations, but they were hosted on a random website on the internet. And, it, and, and you could see the timestamp. They were five, 10 minutes long or something. And, and that's a lot to ask of somebody who's never heard of your stuff. Have you ever tried to get someone to listen to even a band that's already popular? Have you ever tried to get them to listen to a three-minute song? They're like, I know you're going to like this. Would you please listen to this song? It's really, really hard because it's not – it, you know, that accessibility is really tough. And, and we talked with him about how do you, how can you break down these animations into bite-sized chunks that take seconds uh, to consume that are easy to share. And, you know, he was able to take his Instagram from a, a very small thing to 150 plus thousand and, and then work with the New York Times, all just not by changing skills, not by, uh, you know, getting credentials, just by making it more accessible. Maybe you need to work on the messaging around how you're telling people who you are. Maybe you need to package it different. Maybe you need to find a better fit in a medium, you know. I used to, before I ever did this podcast, I was writing a blog about creative practice, but writing is a really weird medium for me. Audio is so much more conducive to the way that I like to create. And so maybe it's a medium fit, but what is the, what are the dominoes between you and where you want to go? And what's the next right one that if you knock that over, almost all the other ones are going to be obsolete. If you get the right credential, the right skill, the right social proof, the, if you make it more accessible, what thing? is gonna help you get there. A little bit of homework, uh, you know, just to wrap all this up and, and give you something actionable to do. I want you to make a gateway drug to your work. I need, I want, I need you. I need you to do this, do this for me. Um, <laughs> I, I want, I'm suggesting, that's all. And I don't need you to do it. I'm suggesting you make a gateway drug into your work. Uh, you know, make your work accessible and easy to tap into. Is there a piece of work that you've made, that you can point to, 
that really exhibits the best of what you know you're capable of and summarizes it in a way that really makes sense. This is something I'm working through right now. You know, we tell these analogies on the show. We, we, I do this illustration. I, ha you know, all these different parts. They're all kind of separate. And right now, I'm figuring out how can I make a little, a little small thing that gives you a dose of the heart and the story and the aesthetic of this stuff? What Can I make something that's a minute, two minutes long that just really gives you a dose of the best stuff? I think about it like I have this, um, you know, two of my favorite bands, Alex G is one of them, uh, which is a little bit more indie art, kind of underground experimental stuff. And then 1975, which is obviously... I feel like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, but they're both like 1975 is uh, has some big hits that I think make people judge them wrong. Alex G has some uh, accessibility problems where uh, some of it's so experimental that if you turn on the wrong song, you're like, whoa, man, this noise is breaking my ears. Um, but I think if you find the right way into both of these bands – you can see how freaking awesome they are. And so I've made gateway drug playlists for both of them of like, start here. You know, that little place in the maze, your creative practice is a giant maze that other people can get lost in. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. You need to create a gateway drug piece that is a big chunky arrow that says, start here. This is the way in to my brain and my creative practice. I've been working on that and I encourage you to create that gateway drug. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, if you put it on the internet, put it on Instagram, do hashtag CPT gateway drug and uh, I'll check it out. Sometimes, you know, uh, get pushback either from myself or from others uh, when I'm encouraging them to stop and find some clarity. And I think it's just this feeling of you're afraid to dig because you don't know if there's gold in there. You're afraid to go into that cave because you don't know, is, is clarity even in there? Am I just wasting more time? I'm telling you, if you will stop and do some of these practices, you're going to feel more grounded. You're going to feel... Uh, like you have a clearer direction in what you're doing and the next thing you make uh, if it's in line with the the next right thing that next right domino you're gonna find a well of motivation that you haven't had in a long time and, and these are all things that as you can tell i'm passionate about but also they're all things that have helped me really recently um, that i've come back to so i hope it hope it really helps uh, thanks to yoni wolf and the band why for our theme music thanks to alex sugg for our soundtrack thanks to sophie pizza for content assistance thanks to apple boy Brian Appleton, uh, of uh, the my co-founded podcast network the kolu podcast network for content assistance and sponsorship assistance thanks to jordan aaron for editing the show so beautifully i can't get over apple boy <laughs> call him that um, thanks to all of you for showing up and listening. Hope this brought a bunch of pep to your step. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>